it's a drama show, but it's about I think it's like around World War II. It takes place, but it's about a female stand-up comedian. Oh yeah, I've I heard about that. Got some good reviews from my friends on it, so I was like, it was pretty good. The first so episode. it's about a bad stand-up comedian. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. Right, that's not, I have a comment I want to make, but I don't want it to be. <laughs> I'll save it for later. Because yeah. if I say something, you know, it'll be the end of. <laughs> Although I could just kill my political career now like you did. I think you should. I probably should. I, watch, be... I just watched what happened. I don't want any of that nonsense. You don't want to be involved. It's terrible. So maybe I should just say it. Say it. I've never been to a wedding where the maid of honor has been funnier than the best man. I'm sure it happens every once in a while, but I've yet to witness one. Nope. It doesn't happen too often. I always get upset when the maid of honor goes second. I was like, no, <laughs> you got to end with the best man. It's going to be way more funnier. When I I'm was sure the, there are some maid of honors that absolutely kill it, but I have yet to witness it. I was best man at my sister's wedding and I was hilarious. I believe you. I believe you. I did all right at my brother's, but I certainly have been at some that are just like, I can only aspire to their, level of comic although you've dabbled in comedy i've done a little bit yeah and speaking of comedy yeah it's uh (laughs) thursday after the election we still don't know who won it's looking bad for trump but you know anything could still happen nevada still has a lot of outstanding votes it is i was trying to follow a little bit but then you just waste too much time yeah um what's is Nevada and Arizona are still leaning Biden, but there's hope among... Well, Arizona has been called by everybody for Biden. The Trump team is insisting that they're going to win it. Um, I think it's unlikely. Nevada is leaning Biden by like 7,000 votes, 7,500 votes, with like 67% of the vote in. They took the whole day off yesterday. I have no idea why. Like, we're just not going to count votes the day after the election. I have no idea why anybody would do that. It's crazy. But um, they're working on that. And if Trump wins Georgia and North Carolina and he wins Nevada, he'll win. But Georgia's looking increasingly bad for Trump as of the time of this recording. It is narrowing. Very narrowing. That, yeah. And uh, they're now uh, predicting, people are predicting he's going to lose Pennsylvania as well, which he's been ahead of for the entire time. So it's looking pretty bad. But we don't know yet. There's going to be legal contests. There's going to be uh, lots of questions. But I wanted to kind of just get your post-election day thoughts and feelings. How are you emotionally? You know, I didn't have – my hopes weren't super high going into the election. Yeah. I, I didn't – you know, I wasn't super really attached. I definitely actually wanted Trump to win when I got close to it. I was like, I'd rather have Trump win just because yeah. uh, I didn't want to – going in, watching all year how the leftist activists had behaved, the riots, the burning, I was like – and then since Trump took office, I feel like if Biden wins, which it looks more like he will, it almost validates – that's exactly tactics. how I feel. Like, I'm not a fan of Trump by any stretch of the imagination, and I didn't vote for him. But um, I, I would prefer that he had won because I don't want to validate the strategy of if we don't get our way, we're going to burn things down. I don't want to show people that that works. Oh, like, yeah. well, let's do that again next time. It worked so well last yeah, time. It's going to become a norm. And then the COVID lockdowns is the other thing that I really am upset about, and I don't want to have more lockdowns. And I'm worried that under a Biden administration, we might have more lockdowns. Yep, the joke is COVID will end once the election's over, but no. Why would they give up so great a tool to yeah. control people? Like, it's it worked better than they could have imagined. They said, do what we say and you'll be safe. And everyone did. Everyone just, like, adopted all these crazy measures and said, okay, we'll do that forever. And they didn't seem to get impatient with it. They said two weeks to flatten the curb. It's been eight months, um, coming up on nine months, and people are still going along with it. And so, like, if you have, if you're a politician and you have that powerful of a tool 
to control the population. I can't imagine them just saying, oh, we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah. I don't think so. Even my family, I don't want to go too down the COVID uh, rabbit hole, but even my family members um, who are conservative and always vote Republican early on, they were like, well, you know, a lot of them live in Maryland. Like, well, we got to, you know, do what the governor says. You know, they were like, the fear drove them to comply. And then, you know, a month later, six weeks later, they were like, what they had sw- swung 180 and yeah. i just remember listening to one of them tell me that they're like the governor knows what we have to do i was like my mouth i was like are fear, you kidding me machiavelli teaches us that fear is the most powerful motivator now the other thing that i've been really i'd love to get your thoughts on this uh pondering with this election is i've seen it all over my social media feeds there is whether it's true or not and i actually have my personal doubts but I don't have proof against it or for it. Everyone's like, oh, there's voter fraud. There's so many little, th- and it almost sounds a little bit like after Trump won the first time, you know, we had the left claimed Russia gate and it yeah, wasn't a legitimate right. election. Now we're saying, you know, you saw those uptick of votes in like Michigan and maybe Wisconsin. You've seen polls shut down for a while and it's at least creating the persona of doubt. And that's just feeding into the unrest that's. Yeah, I mean, it, I hesitate to say too much about it because it seems like really like bad, bad sportsmanship to cry foul after the election and say, oh, the other side cheated. And both sides do it every time. If Trump, yeah. had, if Trump had won, you know, the left would be screaming that he cheated and stole the election. They talked about it beforehand. But it, I have seen a few things that look pretty shady. And I don't know how many of them are exaggerated or made up by conspiracy theorists. But they've talked about, you know, some places having more voter turnout than they have registered voters. They've talked about like mysterious sealed boxes of ballots showing up in the middle of the night after they told all the, the vote counters to go home um it's a little bit odd some taping the up the windows for vote counting like all not that. letting in some election poll watchers yeah. who are not allowed into places so there is some strange stuff going on and i do like i don't buy into this the left always says there's no voter fraud there's never been any voter fraud it never happens there's only voter suppression i think there's absolutely voter fraud i think both sides do, attempt to do it anyway I, I think cheating is the stakes are so high everyone's going to try to cheat no. whether or not it's enough to swing an election i don't know whether or not it was, it was as egregious as they're saying it is in this election i don't know i have no way of knowing that but i think you know there's obviously Obviously, there's obviously an effort to get people who are not, uh, you know, allowed to vote to vote. There's obviously an effort to get illegal immigrants to vote. There's obviously an effort to get dead people to vote. You see it all the time. And I think it it really does happen. And that's why I support like voter ID laws, because it's it doesn't seem unreasonable to me to say you should be able to prove that you're eligible to vote before you vote. I don't see that as a problem. Everyone talks about how it's impossible for people to get IDs. I don't think it's that hard to get an ID if you need, if you want to vote. I don't think it's equivalent to a poll tax. Um, it seems reasonable to me that we would have a little bit of a check on our, you know, election integrity for that. On the other hand, I was just been doing research for um, the this Constitution series with Mike Lee that we're doing. Mm-hmm. We're going to do three more episodes of that at least, probably a lot more episodes than that. And uh, I was going through Article One, and uh, there's stuff I've forgotten about. There's the states are the state legislatures are allowed to set up the own rules for their own rules for their elections. Uh, they can do whatever they want, pretty much. There's been a few overturnings in the Supreme Court where they say, well, you can't like disqualify candidates and you can't do blatantly partisan things. But uh, states have broad latitude under the Constitution to do what they want for elections. And so some of these challenges, like saying that, you know, Pennsylvania can't count votes later than Election Day or can't accept votes postmarked later than Election Day and stuff like that. If, if the legislature says they can, they can, according to the Constitution. So I think that some of those challenges are illegitimate. Yeah, I think... Um I did, yeah, I, I was somewhat aware that the, the, to your point, that the states were allowed to kind of set their own election laws. I think the longer they drag it out, 
the more they feed that uh, narrative that something's up because yeah, totally. now I don't understand. No, you know, people have an anticipation that you're going to get all the votes on election yeah. day, watch the returns, figure out who won. And when it drags out for a long times and it switches back and forth between different candidates, people get suspicious yeah. and it undermines faith in the process. And that's what happened in 2000 with Bush versus Gore, where it ultimately had to go to the courts and people were like, Bush stole the election. I don't even rem- I barely, I remember it because I was 12 in yeah. 2000, but I had more important things like making the middle school basketball team going on in November of 2000. Um, so I was trying to, I was asking my parents, like, is this what 2000 was like? 2000 I was a nightmare. I was barely like a little remember. older than you. Yeah. So, um, I remember it and it was crazy because it went on for so long. It was like a month and it went back and forth. It was all about Florida and Ohio disputes, disputes, recounts, recounts. They recounted the votes like 12 times in, in Florida. Um, and Bush won every, every recount, but the Gore campaign kept challenging it. It ultimately went to the Supreme court, Supreme court, and they found in favor of Bush, but it was so close. And it's one of the first times. Uh, where the Republicans lost the popular vote but won the Electoral College. And so the, everyone thought that was illegitimate and they were angry about that. And so that's sort of when the pro, when this undermining of elections uh, integrity and the, the faith in elections started really happening, I think. Yeah. The, also, the um, this has been one, I, well, I think we've talked about this on past episodes, kind of like the, when we talked about the problems of democracy, but I think also when the let, when each vote is worth so much more or it's empowering this government i think mm. the temptation increases for some forms of voter fraud some forms of dirty tactics because so much power is on the line and it also i think increases the likelihood that the losing side doesn't view the election as legitimate because there's so much just anxiety yeah, this and- is something i wanted to talk about because i've been watching my facebook feed and everyone's saying you know there's this this thing where everyone oh it's weird all my friends on the right have been saying well, no matter who wins, like I'll still keep my friends. It's going to be okay. We can we can agree to disagree on this stuff. It'll be fine. All my friends on the left are saying we can't agree to disagree on this. It's too important. It's about fundamental human rights. I I'll agree, I'll disagree with you on pizza toppings and still be your friend, but I won't disagree with you about fundamental human rights and still be your friend. And they're very strident about this. And I I kind of get their point, but no one seems to be able to learn the lesson of like if the election matters this much, if if the president is able to strip you of your fundamental human rights or you believe he is, why do you keep wanting a more and more powerful government? Why don't you want a less powerful government? No one seems to be able to, to connect those dots and figure out that if, if we had a less powerful government, I wouldn't be able to win an election and then tell you to stop doing all the stuff you love to do and run your life. You would you'd be able to do it regardless of who is in power. But it seems to be this idea that, well, we want our guy in power to be as powerful as possible and just hope the other side never wins. But then when the other side wins, they freak out and say all of our rights are being stolen. Um, I don't I don't know why people can't get that very simple message. Yeah, I've wrestled with that thought before because it seems like, like, guys, the system's broken. Because imagine the current system with your with the who you have the most ideological differences and you fear the most having that seat, like you should change the seat. I think like my perspective or opinion here is it's, I think it's a little innate to human nature to want a ruler in some strange way. Like as a Christian and you look at scriptures and I think it was the book of Samuel, the Israelites beg God for a King, which ends up being Saul. And for a while in the dialogue, God's like, you don't want this. You do not want an earthly King. Don't do this. And they kept like, no, we want the King. We want the king. And so he's like, all right, have a king. And Saul was pretty awful. And, you know, eventually you get, you know, David and Solomon. But they all did egregious things. And eventually that leads to the destruction of Israel and ten tribes vanishing, you know, through a variety of different things. But it's a pivotal moment in scriptures of them begging God for a king. And even he was like, you don't want that. Um, And I think 
we I don't know I don't understand it. I'm not a psychologist. I just feel like there's something like where we want Americans have always been. We used to like Mussolini before World War II. <laughs> the powerful strong man. I think we like that as long as it's our guy. Well, it's a it's a way of taking away responsibility for your own life. And I I get that. Like this is something that people don't I think really understand or appreciate and I've had arguments with people about it is Life is hard and life is difficult and there's a lot of responsibility and challenge that comes along with it. And some people can't handle that. And some people just want to be told what to do and have it taken out of their hands. And that's why you see people like there's in medicine, there's Munchausen syndrome where people fake uh, illness. And it's like, why would you want to be ill? Why would anybody want that? Or they actually cause illness in themselves deliberately. Um, because if you're under a doctor's care in a hospital, you're told when to eat, you're told when to sleep. You don't have to worry about going to work. You, you know, you have your life taken care of for you. And same thing with prison, you know, in the, the Shawshank Redemption, that wonderful movie, there's the scene where the guy gets out of prison. Who's been in prison for like 30 years. He gets out, he goes home and he kills himself because he can't handle the, the freedom of not being told what to do every step of the way. And some people prefer to be in prison. Some people prefer to be under doctor's cares because it means they don't have to worry about all the, the infinite choice and the infinite responsibility that comes with being a functioning adult in the world. And so I kind of get that, but I, I wish people didn't have those leanings because I have no, I, I have none of that in me whatsoever. No. I hate being told what to do. I hate being ruled. I like to be in charge of my own life. And, and I think that's some, a quality that we should nurture. I don't know if it's, I don't know that I agree with you that it's part of human nature, but it's certainly a tendency that a lot of people have. And I think that we should try to discourage that tendency no. and try to s teach people that they can be empowered to run their own lives and have self-determination and that that's better in the long run. Yeah, I, I Even agree. though it's often harder. I don't think, the, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have chosen the words human nature. I feel like we're drawn to it in a way or it's very tempting. It's certainly seductive. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, maybe the seduction is, I don't know, real quick uh, feedback is, we're comfortable as long as our guy or whoever our, we have loyalty to has that seat. Because it's almost like by that proxy, we can for, we can rule other people. Yeah. Because I don't feel ruled if a ruler is agrees with me 100%. That's easy. Yeah. Um, but I want – and then the fear is I'm being That's ruled That's the other aspect is the desire to control other people, which is the theme of my book, which you all should buy. Our Servants, Our Masters by Logan Albright. Pick it up. I've read um, it. It's good. Excellent. Yeah, it's about the desire that people have to control others. Um, and it's – it's I don't know. It's hard for me to understand because, I don't, again, I lack it entirely. I have no interest in what you're doing, Mike. I don't care what you're up to. Go do your thing. I don't want to tell you what to do. And I – it seems like another additional responsibility that I don't want. Why do I want to control what other people do? I have enough on my plate dealing with my own life without dealing with other people's lives. Yeah. Speaking, I think this is a perfect segue because um, I've been looking at one other thing that has showed up in this election. Um, it was Even if Biden wins, it wasn't a overall repudiation or rejection of Trumpism because the Republicans may still hold the Senate. Maybe not. It looks like it's in Conanda, Georgia. They took or gained 10 additional seats in the House, yeah. even though Democrats still have it. That margin narrowed. Um, and then with – so it wasn't a huge rejection. And then if you actually look at voting trends, um, there's a huge movement now. I think there's a realignment going on with the Republican and Democrat Party. Trump won more minority votes in almost every demographic Ever. Everyone except for white men. He gained with African Americans. He yeah. gained with gained with women. He gained with Latinos. He gained with everybody. There's a county near El Paso, Texas, that Mitt Romney lost by 41. percent It is 90 percent Hispanic um, county. Trump only lost it by 17 percent. That's a huge yeah. shift. And he did really well with uh, Cubans in Florida. Yeah, you know. I think this is well. Let's let's pour some alcohol before yeah, we go any further because I have a lot to say about this. 
Um, this, is a, this is a uh, white corn mash uh, from Buffalo Trace Distillery in Kentucky, which I visited and Ooh. got. So it's like an unaged, it's a high proof uh, unaged whiskey. I think it was quite tasty, sort of a moonshiny kind of flavor. And then this is the uh, the original George Washington uh, rye whiskey recipe from Mount Vernon. Wow, you bought one of those bottles? Uh, I did buy one of those. It was very overpriced for what it was. I about to say, uh, those weren't cheap because I've no, looked at those. No, they're very overpriced. I, sh- I regret not getting the aged version because the, the white version is pretty rough. But uh, the aged version was like twice the price, and well, I couldn't afford it. I'm going to try both, but I'm going to start with the Buffalo Race. All right. Let's you seem to first. sell that one a little this harder. This is a lot right? better, honestly. So, But I thought because we're talking about presidential politics, having George Washington's George Washington whiskey would be appropriate, you know? I've, lo- I've wanted to get a bottle of it, but the price has always scared me. Don't bother. Honestly. <laughs> tell you, marketing sells me. It works. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, the it's bottle. A, as a historical <laughs> artifact, it's yeah. worth checking out. Oh, cheers, sir. Cheers. Oh, it's very good. Yeah, it's nice, right? It's certainly strong, though, too. A little bit of hot. I like it. A little bit hot, but it's good. Um, But you were talking about Latinos uh, going for Trump, and this is one of the arguments I have with people about um, who are against immigration. They say if we let, you know, people from Mexico or Latin American countries in, they're all going to vote socialists. They're going to ruin the country. We can't do that. First of all, you can have immigration without voting. You don't have to make everybody a citizen automatically. But I don't think it's necessarily true that that's where these kind of socialist impulses in our country are coming from. If you look at like all the wokeness, all that kind of stuff, the social justice warriors, they're white college students born in America. They're white college professors born in America. They're not. It's not coming from you know Latin America. It's not coming from even uh, the Middle East. You know, immigration from the Middle East or any or Europe or anything. All the the very strident push for um, these these very totalitarian kind of. Uh, wokeness, virtue signaling, you know, uh, control of speech, control of the press, all that kind of stuff. It's not coming from the immigrants, at least that I can see. So that's why I disagree with people who think that if we let all the immigrants in, it's, it's going to permanently give a permanent majority to the Democrats. I don't think it's true. I th- yeah, I think when I was looking at all these shifts, and there's still the Democrats still have a majority stronghold on a lot of these demographics, but there's a there is a realignment going. There's been major realignments past, like the FDR around the New Deal. I think that was called like the Fifth Party. Real, I don't know what the techno terms in the 1970s uh, or so. There was the Six, and some people are saying, is this the Seventh realignment? Mm-hmm. And it may be towards more working class. It might be instead of dividing us up by race, it might the realignment with parties might be more socioeconomic uh, divisions where the Republicans become the party of the working class. And the Democrats become the party of the white rich elites or just the highly educated. And why? For me, I think it is the more education you have on the average, I think you have a tendency to be tempted to believe you can control, uh, design society. And if just those less educated, rural, blue collar folks would just listen to you and, you know, you know so much more about the world life would be better for them too yeah i think the the thinking behind that is that you tend to over rely on your strongest quality so guys who are really strong they think they can use their strength to do everything you know physically strong and academics who are there they've been praised for their intellect their whole life they're regarded as special because of their intellect they think they can use their intellect to, to solve every problem and so they tend to want to have this scientific design of society from the top down which is it never works in practice. It's a bad idea, but they're overconfident in their ability to use their brains to solve these problems rather than the kind of more organic uh, collective, which I hate to use the word collective, but the kind of more organic social knowledge that we all have through history and through, you know, thousands of years of working stuff out together. 
you know, that works pretty well through trial and error. It's almost an evolutionary process. Um, and that tends to work pretty well as opposed to some smart guy in a room thought of this. Let's do Let's put it into play and govern the lives of 300 million people because it hasn't been tried. It might not work. Which is, yeah, I mean, and that was kind of the idea of federalism to begin with. So, you know, yeah. one, st- one little small area can try it, a locality estate. If it works, great. We can all duplicate it or make it even a little better. If it fails, we know to stay away and it only hurts a smaller segment of people instead of the entire collective. But yeah, I, there's, I'm very curious if the demographics don't matter that much anymore. If there's, that's the shift we're starting to head. Down. I hope that's the case because I hate um, identity politics and I hate the collectivist thinking that goes into it. Well, you're of this race or you're of this skin color. So you're going to agree with me, but that's obviously not the case. You know, people are individuals, they have different thoughts. And so if we could get away from that, you know, demographic thinking in elections, I think that would be a lot better. Um, but you know, it's, it's a res- hard thing for people to get away from. It's very resistant to uh, more individualistic thinking. Yeah, and maybe now small government advocates uh, can actually take their message to places that they somehow bought the lie that it just won't sell to these people or to sell to this group or like, screw that. Like, go right. have a conversation, have a dialogue, bring the ideas, see what happens. Like, we've they've almost been scared and stayed away on purpose. I'm like, oh, well, we got to stay in our lane over here. And, you know, my I have a one friend who works for... Um, you only have one friend? Just one. Oh. And he doesn't even really talk to me that much. I uh, used to be a coworker. He now works for AFP, but they're um, the Hispanic outreach wing. I forgot what it is, like Libertas or whatever. Um, he's from Bol- Bolivia or Belize. I can't remember. Somewhere in South America. Okay. But anyways, he Bavaria is not in South yeah, America. Yeah, Bolivia. I knew that as soon as I said it. <laughs> I think you mean Bolivia. Bolivia, yeah. yeah. Bolivia is the country that got screwed over by all its neighbors. They have amazing resources, yeah. and like Brazil screwed them. Um, but anyways, he takes these messages, this very small government, liberty-minded message um, into these communities. And some people say, we have never heard this message before. He's a very interesting person to uh, kind of just hear the stories and the, the conversations he has with um, that population. So I'm hoping maybe that'll be a trend. I hope so. Um, it's good to look for optimism in these times. Yeah. I want to go back to what I was saying about my, my lefty friends saying they can't compromise on human values and or human freedoms and things like that and their human rights. And, you know, it's a, it's a position I sympathize with, but because I kind of struggled with it for myself for a while when I became a libertarian or discovered I was a libertarian. Because, like, I'll give you an example. One of my best friends, Allison uh, from from Florida, she loves Obama. She thinks Obama's the cat's meow. She thinks he's fantastic. And I hate Obama because I think, and like all presidents, I think he's, you know, done horrible things. He, he blew up a hospital in the Middle East. He bombed a wedding. He killed an American citizen with a drone without a warrant. Like, in my mind, he's a murderer, okay? So you could, you could say to yourself if you wanted to, how could I be friends with someone who supports a murderer? It's awful, you know? But first of all, if you do that, you're not going to have any friends. You know, you, you have to find a way to coexist with people in society and be friendly with them despite your differences of opinion, even on very serious things. And then second of all, you know, I, I, I think, don't think people think about it that way. I mean, if you like Obama, you like him because of his personality and his, his charisma and maybe some of the stuff he did domestically. And people, foreign policy is so divorced from people's ordinary understanding of, of the world that I just don't pe- think people think about it. And it would be pretty uncharitable of me to cut off friendships and, and chide people too much because of their support for someone based on that. Whereas even though I think they've done terrible things and I think all presidents have done terrible things, I just don't think it's how you can live your life and be productive and have good friendships and good relationships with people. And it saddens me to see so many people I know saying, no, you disagree with me on this. Therefore, we can't be friends. It's an disordering or an 
you're idolizing a flawed person who had way too much power ever to begin with and then basing your whole compass of your life off that idol you've now created. Yeah. I mean, Obama is just a person. Yeah. They had all just way people. too much power, as did Trump, as did Bush, as will probably Joe Biden. Right. And I'm sure they feel the same way about me liking Thomas Jefferson, who was, you know, a slave owner and probably a rapist. And like, how can you like Thomas Jefferson? He did these terrible things. But you kind of have to compartmentalize and say, well, yeah, you know, some of these people did. I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm not saying they were, you know, amazing human beings, but they did. They did some good stuff. And you just because they also did some bad stuff doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to appreciate the good stuff. And so I, I think that, uh, you know, we need to just be a little bit more charitable in our, yeah. our dealing with other people and recognize that not everybody has the same perspective on the world as we have. And that doesn't necessarily make you a bad person. It actually makes conversations a little more interesting. Definitely. To at least get a different perspective. Do you think there's always the, the tension? Do you think it's growing in a way? I, I would argue maybe even a, a few weeks ago that it would be more people on the left who would cut out their associates on the right. But since that's been my experience since Tuesday night, I've seen a higher rate of people on social media saying, I'm unfriending all my Democrats. I don't tolerate that. Really? I've seen a few. I, yeah, I haven't I've seen, seen that. Like, that's, Whoa. that's weird. I was like, is that tension that's, that's over the to top? Equalize a little bit. Yeah, that's um, crazy. I, I, it saddens me to see it on either side. I hope the right doesn't fall down that rabbit hole because it's a bad way to go. I mean, you, if you unfriend everybody and just live in an echo chamber yeah. with people who think exactly like you, it's hard to grow or become enriched as a person. It's not a good thing. I have way more fun actually conversing with people on the left for some reason, as long as they're willing to have a conversation with yeah. me. Yeah. You got to have someone who's intellectually yeah. honest. Yeah. But if you can find someone who's willing to have a, a thoughtful conversation about the issues, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, I you just got to keep, keep your emotions out of it. And yeah. just, you know, I understand the right. That's where I came from. Yeah. So it's actually, and intri- I don't fully understand the, the perspective of the left all the time. So no, I'm trying to get into that perspective and figure out where they're coming from. So I don't think people that think differently are bad people. A lot of it's, what influenced them in their life to give them this lens that they're looking at the world at. Yeah. And so much of it comes down to basic kind of worldviews and the, the premises that you start your arguments from. You know, if you don't agree with the, on the premises, there's no point in really going yeah. down the argument uh, lane because your conclusions aren't going to match and your arguments aren't going to make sense to the other person. You have to agree on your basic premises first and foremost. You know, I think that that's a big problem where the left and the right can't communicate is that the left has a collectivist view of, of mankind and the right has a more individualistic view of mankind. And it's hard if you're starting from those wildly different perspectives, it's hard to come together on anything because just the way you view the world is different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I guess the one question, what do you think the next four years looks like? I'm, I'm kind of assuming Biden's going to pull it off. I feel like too much I'm assuming fall, Biden's going to pull it off, and I'm assuming that the Senate will stay Republican, yeah. in which case I think it'll be a pretty boring four years. I don't think very much will change. Uh, we're probably going to see more foreign intervention because I think Biden's going to be more uh, listening to the generals and doing what they want him to do as opposed to Trump who's pushed back on some of those generals. So that's a shame. Um, you're probably going to see a little bit more regulation of business. You're probably going to see a little bit more, um, well, depending on how it goes, I think you're going to see more more COVID lockdowns. I think Biden's going to want to push that. Um, but apart from those things, I don't think that much is going to change. Like Trump was a big spender. Biden's going to be a big spender. Trump wasn't exactly small government. Biden's going to be big government, but he's you know fairly checked out. I think it's going to be largely an administration on autopilot that maybe has some some people pulling the strings behind the curtain. But I don't know. I don't think it's going to be the end of the world, and I think a lot of people are overreacting to how bad they think it's going to be. Yeah, I agree. I don't feel overly threatened by a President Biden more. And I mean, if they had the Senate as well, I'd be pretty worried. Yeah. 
But with the Republican Senate, you know, he's not going to do anything too crazy. I don't think he'll be able to pack the Supreme Court. That's the best part. Yeah, so we'll see. He might get some court appointments in the next four Republicans years. Republicans might become uh, fiscal conservatives for another four years. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we can always hope. Shifts back. <laughs> uh, I've been thinking a lot about, like, if assuming Trump loses, what his legacy is going to be like in the future. Because it's – like, if he had eight years, that would be completely different. But four years, it's sort of – I expect him to be kind of a weird footnote in history at some point where – you know, this crazy billionaire got elected. He was immediately impeached, and then he lost re-election, which almost never happens. You know, we almost always have the incumbent win. Yeah. Um, it'll be like a Zachary Taylor or a William Henry Harrison or like one of those kind of forgotten middle presidents who was just around for a short period of time and then disappeared. Um, I think it's going to be kind of amusing to see how that tr- plays out. Do you think um, he goes away and kind of quietly, or do you think he's he's the most popular Republican in America? He could still hold a rally losing and draw 50,000 people. I don't know. Um, my gut says that once the election is like settled and he stops with all the court challenges and stuff, which I hope will be soon, I hope that doesn't drag on for too long, um, that he will just go back to his empire and be a you know celebrity billionaire and not worry too much about politics. He'll probably tweet at the pre- that Biden a lot to kind of needle him like he did with Obama. Mm-hmm. He always tweeted at Obama to make fun of him. He'll probably keep doing that. But I think he'll kind of recede from the spotlight. I don't think he'll – I don't know. I could be wrong. But then what are I, the chances are – it's much better to be a kind of just private billionaire than to be yeah. a public politician figure. You have a lot more freedom. You have a lot better life. So I would think he would want to embrace that. Yeah. Do you think, well, ask kind of thought on that. Do you think he comes back in four years if Biden wins, if Biden wins and tries to pull a Grover oh, Cleveland? God, I hope not. Because he would win a primary. He would name me one Republican who would beat him in a primary. He would well, mop the floor in a primary. How old is he? He's like 72, 73 yeah, he'd be now. Yeah, he'll, he'll be, be like, like 70, Biden. Yeah, he'll be like 76 or 77 next time. I think it's too old, man. Yeah. I don't think he can do it. So people have already been saying, oh, who's next? I'm like, man, if Trump comes back, no I, one I mean, I'm primary. assuming Kamala Harris will run in, in 2024 rather than have Biden run for a second term, uh, assuming he makes it through his first term. Yeah. Um, and I, I, that could be interesting because I can't see Kamala Harris winning a general election. No, Nobody likes her. Appeal. Nobody likes her. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. What, a lot of unknowns. A lot of unknowns. Well, we'll see what happens next week. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we'll have some more information on what actually happens in the next couple of days. But so I can stop. We're hanging in there for now. Checking the news. Yeah. It's a huge time suck. Huge time suck. All right, sir. Catch you next time. Cheers. Till next time. Wow, that is very good. It's got a nice corn sweetness to it. I can never find Buffalo Trace in the liquor store. There's only Eagle Rare around here. I can never yeah. find the actual just Buffalo Trace. I like Buffalo Trace better than Eagle Rare. Yeah. But Eagle Rare is supposed to be the higher brand. I know, it's supposed to be the premium one. But I yeah, like I do Trace too. Better. Every time I have Buffalo Trace, I really enjoy it, but it never shows up. Oh.